wow, it is freakishly warm out here. It's over 60 degrees Fahrenheit, and it's, uh, what is it, December 30th. We've just gone through a period of just some of the coldest weather we've had in years. It was like 8 degrees, 10 degrees every other day, and now it's warm. This is only, this warmth is only going to last for a few hours, and then it's going to go down again. But I'm sitting here on the porch having my a punch cigar, just relaxing in this wonderful weather. Yes. So yeah, this has been the uh, holiday season, and I have this week off. As I detailed on last episode, I had seven shave days, and then yesterday, no shaving. I didn't have to shave yesterday. I didn't have anyone to see. Today, I shaved because we're going to be getting together with our neighbors later. And uh, at least I had one day I didn't have to shave. Um, yeah, the, I last left you a couple days ago. I was about to go to the fish show. And yeah, I went to the fish with my uh, neighbor, Brad. We drove into Manhattan. And it was a nice drive. We parked, uh, I think, on Ninth Avenue over there. Quick walk over to the garden. Actually, we uh, so we swung through the Moynihan train hall. He had never seen it. I'm like, hey, you got to check out this train hall, this new train station, Moynihan. Beautiful, just beautiful. Then somehow, the rather confusing tunnel is getting back over to uh, Penn Station. And then the uh, <clears throat> the lower section of Penn Station, which last time I was there was rather demolished, was uh, really far along. They had uh, raised the ceilings quite a bit because that section had always been very claustrophobic. It's like a little shopping mall alley kind of place, you know, with with newspaper shops and restaurants and stuff. And one at one point, at one magical time, there were two arcades there, the old Penn Station. Well, not the old, old Penn Station. That was demolished in the early 1960s. But the Penn Station from the 80s and 90s that I remember, Station Break, what an amazing arcade. Just a, just a mainstay, fantastic arcade. I went there hundreds of times. Eventually, it was shut down, and they built a Kmart there. So the entrance to the Kmart was right where the um, the arcade used to be. And then the uh, then the, they, then now the Kmart's gone too. So they're rebuilding everything over there. Oh, and by the way, in the Moynihan, there's a lot more stuff that wasn't there last time I was there. The, the whole food hall is like really coming together. You know, I think it's going to be confusing for historians to figure out when did the food court become the food hall. But New York is all about the food halls now. It's essentially like a food court, but just with, you know, higher end, like food, you know, and also lots of drinks. Food halls always have some kind of, you know, uh, alcoholic beverages available, too, in general. So, uh, yeah, I love food halls. You know, it's a great it's a great advancement. And it's kind of like a mall kind of environment. You know, you have a food hall. And a train station kind of like a mall, sort of those that artificial internal world. But anyway, for a brief time in the 80s, there was also a Spaceport Arcade. There was two arcades right in that one corridor at Penn Station, Spaceport and Station Break. I used to go to Spaceport a lot. I, I remember playing Rastan there a lot, you know. Rastan, you know, the game where you're a, um, a barbarian fighting a bunch of monsters. Yeah. And I remember having conversations about it. I'm like, you know, there's this barbarian, but he only fights like a couple different kinds of monsters. What's up with that? It's the kind of conversations people had back then. Okay, Generation X. You know that video game Rastan? Couldn't they have a few more monsters? There's the one guy with six arms. And then there's this, there's a skeleton, and that's about it. Why can't there be more enemies? It's a, it's a, it, it's a barbarian, for God's sakes. <laughs> we need more enemies for Rastan. And I was talking, I think I was talking to someone from film school. It's like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. That would be such a great game if you just had a few more different kind of enemies. <laughs> I remember there was like a mirrored ceiling in there, too, in Spaceport. 
I don't know if there's any imagery or anything that remains of that or any mention of it. I, it's, it's, it's just my, my own memories of, of space. But, of course, sp- Station Break made a much bigger impression. I remember back when they were various uh, programs that made three-dimensional versions of arcades. You know, there's been a lot of them where you could make your own arcade. There's many different ones now. And I think one of them ha- recreated Station Break as much as they could. You know, because that was a good one, definitely. <laughs> definitely a good time travel destination. Well, I, I've already been there, so. But it would be cool to go back as my older self. Just go back to Station Break. It would be kind of cool just to go back to, like, a place you've already been and just, you know, just to reminisce. And take pictures, of course. All those places that you thought that you can't find a lot of pictures online, just go back in time and take pictures of it. It seems kind of suspicious. You can't, like, whip your phone out, like, and... In eight, like in 1989 or 88, you can't whip out like a cell phone, can you? I mean, they, that it's it might be like, they, wait a minute, would people be upset if they saw it? I mean, your cell phone. I know there's no cell network, but you could just take pictures. It'll be on your local memory until you come back to the present. But you know what I'm saying? Like, do you think a cell phone, a current day cell phone? I mean, there was a lot of electronics in the 80s, right? People had Walkmans and. Some of those real early PDAs, right? When did those came out, come out? You know, like the Palm Pilot, like the Newton, even that. Yeah, that was like the late 80s, mid-80s. I think you'd be fine, you know. I think, like, if someone saw the screen and saw that it was a camera, they might be a little... If they were in the know, they might be like, wait a minute, this, this technology doesn't exist yet. I think the best thing to do would be to just sort of create... An enclosure for your phone that looks more like a regular camera. There you go. You know? And then no one would know the difference. I don't know if you're supposed to take pictures down there anyway, but whatever. I'm sure you get away with it. But would that be legal? Like, what's the copyright on images taken in the past, you know? I don't know. Will will we have to... Well, see, we we don't have time travel at the moment. Well, I'm sure that there is time travel, but I I don't personally have access to it. And in, in the uh, the common uh, world I'm living in, there's people are not aware of it. You know, there's different. Uh, I'm assuming different echelons of information out there, right? With the regular people like me, they we don't know about all this stuff. But then there's people that are in the know that know about time travel, other dimensions, all the hidden technologies, aliens, all sorts of all sorts of things. Or maybe not. Maybe the world is just what it appears to be. Nah, get out of here. There's something else going on. You know there's something else going on. Yes. Anyway. So, yeah, then, because uh, I remembered it was kind of a pain getting into, uh last couple times I went to Madison Square Garden, you, have to, you go in from uh, the, the 7th Avenue side, right? And it's kind of um this long walk. I'm like, but I remember there's like halfway through Penn Station, there's this little stairway you can go up, and you can go right in that way. And we found it, and in fact, you could go in that way. There wasn't that, it wasn't really that busy. People were trickling in. It wasn't like a big line outside, you know. We were there, you know, pretty pretty early, I would say. Doors open at 6. I think we were there around 6.20-ish. And, uh, yeah, we went in. It was great, you know, big merch booth. I already I bought one of the T-shirts, though. The fish T-shirts when I bought the streaming package. Not only did I go there, I've also been streaming it from home. Four nights. This so two nights have already happened. Tonight is night three. Tomorrow, New Year's Eve is night four. Now, of course, I'm going to be hanging out with the neighbors tonight, but I may have to excuse myself to go watch fish. Anyway, 
I don't know at what point I'll do that, though. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, we went to section uh, 209. We had seats right at the very top. And uh, it was early on, you know, I, I love getting there early because there's, like, almost no one there. And there's a, a way at the top by section 209 is, uh, it's, like a, it's like a little landing, and there's, like, there's like a two food uh, concessions that you can only get to by walking through section 209 or 210 or whatever. So uh, we, got, we, got a, we got a couple IPAs. You're talking to the guy there. And uh, and then when I and then I went down to see if the concession booth, like because you know, I no the merch booth. That's what I'm saying, merch booth. You know, I was looking at the T-shirts, and honestly, the only T-shirt I would think of getting is the one I already bought. They're really the other ones really weren't that good, so I didn't. I wasn't tempted to stand in line. Um, but I wanted some food, and you know, being vegan, there's limited options. Though I did see some sort of rumor that I think downstairs there in section 117 or 107 or something like that, there was a uh, some sort of vegan food place, but I just bought some potato chips. They had Wise, which are good. I like the Wise potato chips. They're better than Lay's, in my opinion. You just get plain potato chips, right, which just has whatever, potatoes, some sort of weird oil like cottonseed oil or something, and uh, salt, you know. So that's good. That was a good – had that. And then so, – so I decided to buy it up there. But the place – the guy that we were talking to that, that had, uh, had the good – it was Goose, Goose Island IPA. It was actually pretty good. In the commemorative uh, fish cups, I got a couple of them. Um, he didn't have the potato chips. The place next door to him had the potato chips, but they didn't have as many beers on tap. They had like Stella Artois. I'm not going to get that crap. I'm not going to go for that, please. Uh, I don't know. Oh, a kitty cat. No. Stray cats in the neighborhood. Very sad. When my cats see those cats out there, they go nuts. They want to make a connection to other cats, I think. My cats are indoor cats. But anyway, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I guess I just like IPAs more than anything else. It just tastes good to me. So I bought the, the, the Wise Potato Chips, and I walked over to, the, like, the next stall over. I, I'm like, hey, can I get another IPA? He's like, yeah. I'm like, you know, why is it you, like, the places that have the good beer don't have the potato chips? We're having this conversation about it. He's like, yeah. You'd think, you know, you get the good beer, then you want some snacks. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's it. You know, why don't you have potato chips? I really don't know the logic of how they stock these places, but, you know, like there's there's hundreds of these food stalls. I mean, obviously, they're mostly just making money selling alcohol, but they have to sell a little bit of food, too. They probably make a killing on this stuff. I bought, I bought uh, you know, two two beers, and I gave the guy a tip, and it was like $45 for two beers. It's, well, you know, it's a captive audience. It's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Anyway, um, but I do love Mad- Madison Square Garden. It's a really nice place to see a show, and it was a it was a great it was a great show. We had all the way back section two hundred nine. There was no one behind us, so we kind of had the option to sit down or stand up. We were kind of doing half and half. You know, I'm not the kind of person. I feel like you know maybe if you're going to see a concert, maybe you can sit down. I know people think you're you're going to be energized by the rock music. You should stand up. Mm, you know, I mean, at times, but I did see a lot of people like uh, they're, when they're playing the, the less known songs. Everyone's sitting down, then they're standing up with the more the more known songs. Even what was that song? Leaves when they played Leaves. Let me look at the set list because there's some pretty good. The last two nights, really great shows. The only the only problem is it's just that I'm kind of uh, like you know with with anything that I really obsess on musically, like the Grateful Dead or Fish. 
you know, I, like all summer I was so into fish. I was all fish all the time. And, uh, you know, you got to take a break. So I've been on a long, I've been on a break from fish for quite a while. And, you know, I feel like it's it's hard for me to get back in that fish mode. So I've been, it's, I've been kind of not in the mood for fish, but going to the show and watching this show. It's, these are great shows, but I haven't really been 100% in the mood for it. You know what I mean? So it's kind of hindering my enjoyment, but, you know. I think I'm going to – I mean, I I don't know. I feel weird about it, but it's still great, but I, I'm not 100% like ready for it yet. I'm still I'm still on a break from fish in some ways. Anyways, the one I went to – and I'm – yeah, I only went to the one. You know, I think going to one is fine. I mean, going to all four is a real commitment, you know. One is great. You know, you have that – it's just a great thrill. And then the rest of them, oh, thank God I'm not there. I'm just at home. Oh, oh. Because <laughs> then at the, when it's over, the whole endless rigmarole of getting home, even though it was easier because my neighbor Brad drove. Easier, it was easier getting home, but it's still kind of, a, kind of a process, you know. Instead of, okay, turn off the TV, get up, and just walk away. <laughs> you're home already, you know, when you're watching it from home. So step one started with uh, this instrumental. And I couldn't. I, I wasn't looking at my phone. I couldn't not think of the name until a couple songs later. Buried Alive, instrumental. Then they went into Wolfman's Brother, Maze, which was great. Um, Sigma Oasis, great jam into NICU. And we had Steam. And then one of the highlights of the night, Tila, one of those songs, very not really very played very often, one of the uh, Gamehenge songs. Tila, Tila, Jewel of Wilson's Foul Domain. Yes. And then a stash, all was great, and then split open and melt. What an incredible first set. Second set started with free. I'm floating in the blimp a lot. Yes, great song. Then a wave of hope. That's a good one. And then, oh, it's ice. Yes. What an amazing song. It's ice. Then leaves. Again, people were kind of bummed out by leaves. Leaves kind of like drain the energy a bit. Then Simple, I saw a whole section stand up when Simple started. Yep. We've got it simple. Because we've got a band. And we play cymbals in the band. And then Plasma, Twist, and then finally Harry Hood. They said it was kind of a shorter Harry Hood. I don't know if it was one of the best Harry Hoods I've I've ever um, heard. Then the encore started with Esther. Oh, my God. Uh, Esther and Tila are both not played that often. And uh, Esther is from their first album, Junta, and uh, a song about this girl who gets this puppet and is chased by these joggers and eventually is killed by the puppet, <laughs> drowned by the puppet. <laughs> Esther tried to do, do, right? Good song. And finally, 46 Days, so... Great, great show. And I looked it up. The last time, it was only the sixth time uh, Tila and Esther were in were together in one show. The last time they played Tila and Esther in a show was '91. It's been that long since they played Tila and Esther in in a, in a in one show. Pretty amazing, right? So then last night I was watching. So I had the TV set up in my uh, my living room, but I was sitting on my couch. I kind of had to turn my head to the right to look at it. I thought it would be okay, but it was real pain. I'm going to move it for tonight, you know. I thought it would work, but it, I was kind of getting annoyed by the pos- position of the TV. 
And plus, I, w- I was like, I don't know, like I fell asleep during part of it. I don't know. It was, I was really, you know, and it was an incredible show. If anything, this may have even been a better, a better show, starting with a monster fluff head. Incredible. They went many years not even playing Fluffhead. And this inc- major Fluffhead, then your pet cat. That has all those cat sound effects from the Disney album that freak out my cats when they hear it. In a bathtub gym. And then, and then Hey Stranger, a song that was a fish debut. I didn't even hear it. I was asleep at that point. Tube, great song. And then I woke up during Slave to the Traffic Light and then Blaze On. I, I, I stirred a bit more. I woke up uh, for set two, starting with the David Bowie. Everything's right into you enjoy myself into Ruby Waves into Lonely Trip. That was incredible, right? Then back on the train in Character Zero. And then you're wondering what else can they come up with? The encore. Freaking Gaiuti. Can you imagine? Gaiuti was the ugly pig. This song has been missing. They have hardly played it in recent years. I think they played it once last year in in the uh, you know the the Halloween run. And before that, they hadn't played it for years. Encore Gaiuti, amazing. And then finishing up with Possum, which the guy, the guy that quit Fish, uh, was his name? I forget his name, but he uh, he wrote Possum. So, can you imagine? He was in Fish in college, but after college, he had some sort of religious epiphany and went, went to live in the woods or something. And uh, hey, guys, I quit Fish. I'm going to go live in the woods and find out about God, something like that. And the poor guy, he had no. What are the chances that your college band? is going to become this worldwide phenomenon that can sell out the garden endless times, you know? Can you imagine this guy? So he must get a few bucks from the uh, the songwriting union or whatever when they play a song. <laughs> His other song is Camel Walk, which they play much more infrequently, but Possum's pretty common, yeah. I don't think he can live on that. I don't think he could live on it, you know, but... <laughs> anyway, the poor guy, Jeff Holdsworth, that was his name. What the hell is this guy? There's always one of them, like, you know... At least he quit. He wasn't fired like Pete Best from the Beatles. That guy, and I heard an interview with him on the radio like within the past 10 or 15 years. He seemed okay with it. He sort of made his peace with it, you know. He was fired. And, you know, the question is, would the Beatles have become that big if he was still the drummer? He may have been like real, he may have ruined the chemistry of the band. You know, he's like a kind of a cool, you know, was that movie The Cooler? Right, the casinos hire these like losers to sit at the table to, if someone's having a, win- a winning streak because the person is just so uncomfortable and so awkward and such a nerd, it ruins the vibe. <laughs> I'm not saying that Pete Best was like that, but I'm just wondering. We don't know if the Beatles would have been the Beatles without Ringo completing the chemistry of the band, right? Anyway, what are they going to do tonight? I mean, these have been incredible shows. I'm not a single cover, I don't think, is interesting, right? These are. This is sort of like super, super potent condensed fish, just their biggest best songs, one after the other. It's really amazing. So I'm really, so yeah, I think I better excuse myself tonight from the, the little get-together, because the little cocktail party. I need to watch fish. I'm going to move the TV onto the onto the table there, cause I, so I can look straight onto it, because it was driving me crazy last night. You know what I mean? Looking to the right to watch fish, it was annoying me. It just wasn't right. It just didn't work, you know? Anyway. So yesterday, I woke up. I'm like, you know, I should really do something. I'm on vacation. You know, my wife has to go to work. I should really do something. But I've gone into New York the last two days, you know. Uh, it was a t- uh, Tuesday. I went in to go to Carmine Street to that uh, vegan Mexican place and that Carmine Street Guitars where they make guitars out of wood reclaimed from old buildings in New York. And then on Wednesday, I went into New York to go see fish. So on Thursday, I'm like, you know, 
Do I want to go? I'm like, no, I don't want to go into New York. I just went into New York two days in a row. What am I going to do? So I'm like, okay, I'll go see a movie. And I'm looking at, um, so I'm thinking like, should I go see, should I go see Avatar 2? Like, maybe I should go see it. Like, in, maybe I should go to New York and go see it at Lincoln's, Lincoln Center or Lincoln Square where they have the giant, the giant uh, IMAX screen. Like, ugh, I just, I cannot, I can, I know I'm going to hate that movie. I cannot stand the whole look and feel of Avatar. I know I'll eventually watch Avatar The Way of Water, which is, it's not called Avatar 2, it's called Avatar The Way of Water. It's the kind of movie I'm going to have to watch like in 10 minute bursts and then take a pause and I, 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 I will have no attention span for that movie. But I was researching other other movies that might be out and um, I'm trying to think of where, yeah, I think it was at the IFC. There's this movie called um, Gene Dealman, 23 Quad to Commerce, 1080 Bruxelles. It's like a woman's name and her address. And this movie looked really fascinating. And uh, let me look it up. And actually, I I started watching it because there's a copy on the Internet Archive. This movie is also over three hours long. It's like every movie these days is three hours long, which is kind of of cool. I I like long movies. I can dig it. So let let me try to look this one up. Hold on. Let me pause and look this up. Um... Okay, so it's from 1975. It's a French film um, written and directed by Belgian filmmaker Chantal Ackerman. It was filmed over five weeks on location in Brussels and financed through 120,000 grant. Distinguished by its restrained pace, long takes, and static camera work, the film is a slice-of-life depiction of a widowed housewife portrayed by Delphine Seyrig over the course of three days. The film was met with mixed critical reception upon its release, but gained exposure in Europe and later became a cult classic. It has been labeled as an exemplar of the slow cinema genre, as well as a a feminist film. In a critics poll conducted by The Village Voice in 2000, it was named the 19th greatest film of the 20th century. In 2022, it was ranked the greatest film of all time on Sight and Sound Magazine's The Top 100 Greatest Films Critics Poll. Wow. So yeah, there's just these long takes of her like cooking in the kitchen or taking a bath or, you know, she's turning tricks in the house. I guess she's like a prostitute as well. Anyway, I had never heard of this one, so I didn't really feel like going into the New York to see it, but at least I found out about it. I started watching it. Again, there's a copy on the Internet Archive you can see. Um, So I started looking closer. I'm like, listen, I don't want to go to New York. Let me just go to my local theater I can walk to. It's like a 20-minute walk to this movie theater, AMC Clifton Commons. So I'm looking, and they have the Avatar. I'm like, should I go see Avatar? I'm like, oh, God, no. No. So I was looking at all the other movies they had. They all looked horrible. But then I came up with this one called Babylon, right? And uh, I had never heard of this movie. I have no idea what this is. And I saw, I read the description. I started looking at some reviews. The reviews are really horrible for this movie. So this is another movie that's over three hours long. Every movie is like three hours long these days. But this movie was about the golden age of Hollywood. It takes place in Hollywood in the 1920s, and it's this crazy movie with all these like crazy parties and all these different characters, all sorts of stuff going on. I'm like, yep, that's the movie for me. I, I love that genre. I love behind-the-scenes entertainment. And I really do love stuff with, about Los Angeles, you know. Um, I have a weird connection with Los Angeles, even though I've really only been there once back uh, in 1997. Because um, when I went to those podcast expos in 
2005 or 2006, I didn't really go into Los Angeles. I was in the Inland Empire. I was at, in Ontario, and I went to Disney World, but didn't really get into L.A. But I have a very strong affinity for L.A., and I think it might be, you know, I have a very fringe theory <laughs> about why I might have a, a strong affinity for L.A., because I think in, in a nearby alternate ver- an alternate timeline that I call the Carlton Branch, I lived. I live in Los Angeles, so just hear me out, okay? The uh, I've talked about this many times, but there was a critical juncture in my life when I was in 1985. I uh, my father and I were looking for colleges, and we actually I actually applied to a couple colleges. I applied um, to this place, uh, Oberlin College in Ohio. We went there. It was eh, didn't really make much of an impression. Also applied to Drew University, which where I wound up going. But I, I the, my school of choice was Carleton College in the Minneapolis St. Paul area. Right. Went to the we went there, went and toured the campus, and I really wanted to go there. Right. I don't know exactly why. There's just something about it. It just just, just seemed to f- good right for me. That's where, where that's where we were getting the tour. My, and my father describes it like the uh, the kid giving us a tour was wearing a suit and tie. And you know we were talking about academics. So I'm like, where's the where's the video game arcade? <laughs> and so there was an arcade that was named after Peter Tork from the Monkees, who apparently uh, attended the school briefly before dropping out. And then and he apparently just played pinball the whole time or something like that. And uh, they named it the Peter Tork Arcade. <laughs> anyway, I really wanted to go there. So turns out I got rejection letters from Oberlin and Carlton and an acceptance letter from Drew. And I want to go into Drew. And that that was a whole like wild scene. I've described that whole madness with the Anything But Monday magazine, the Supernatural Wars, all sorts of stuff going on. The whole two hundred nine thing. Oh my God! There was just all sorts of things going on. You know? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, had I gone to Carlton, my life would have definitely gone in a different direction. I often wonder how close was I? Was I like the last? Was there like was I right at the cutoff of who they were accepting? It seems that it would have been possible that I would have been accepted there if there was just slight different paperwork and stuff, or, you know, right? So had I gone to Carleton, what would my life have been like? And I've actually – I actually feel like I've gotten flashes of information from that other life, right? Um, especially listening to music, especially um, Tangerine Dream and Gentle Giant, Bands that I really didn't know very well till years later. Uh, for example, there's a part of Force Majeure by Tangerine Dream. When I hear it, the part that goes, dun, 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 right? I started getting visions of of uh, of this college and like being in a dorm and being really cold outside and listening to this, these records. I must have had a roommate that had more of these records because I wasn't really into that that stuff yet. And then uh, Gentle Giant, like some of the albums, I think like In a Glass House or. Uh, Freehand, some songs on there. I got a, a, a flash image of um, working at a pizza place in town, right? In, in Carlton, I think it's Carlton. Was it the town called Carlton or the college? I'm not sure. But anyway, um, and then I had a few more flashes of. Remember that car, the um, Chrysler PT Cruiser, right? That looked kind of. It, it has sort of based on a hot rod, but it became a very nerdy, uncool car. I felt like. And I, that's when I got sort of the flash that I did wind up moving to L.A. 
and I, and I and I had one of those con- a convertible PT Cruiser, even though it was kind of a jerky car. I thought it was cool. The other me thought it was cool, you know. Driving around in a PT Cruiser. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I think I probably did get into radio. I may. I think I was probably uh, a DJ in Los Angeles. Um, because I think I was eventually going to become that in any lifetime I was going to have, right? Uh, but. I just got the sense that things didn't go very well in that timeline. Um, You know, I felt like I got married and got divorced, and God only knows what happened to me. I think all things considered, I'm better off in this timeline. (laughs) But anyway, that may be why I have this affinity for Los Angeles, because the other me is living in Los Angeles. Maybe still. I don't know. I mean, if I was a a DJ for some... I mean, for some point in time, I mean, I... I would have been slightly in those those circles of meeting celebrities, interviewing them on the radio, and kind of being in the scene and stuff, you know. Probably not the best environment for me in general with my personality, but anyway. Um, I, so I, f- I feel some connection to that other me. I don't know. I feel kind of bad for the other me in some ways because, you know... Well, he, the other me never did the overnight escape underground, so, you know, hey. But I wonder, could we ever meet? Could I meet that other me, you know? What's he doing? How did he, how did he handle the pandemic? How did he do? <laughs> he is me. I'm him. And how does it even work? Like, did I, did somehow, did I, whatever, what, who, who, whatever I am in a cosmic sense, also live that entire life? And just the memories from that life are cut off from me right now? Or... I don't know. Am I currently also living his life? Like when I go to sleep here, I wake up there, spend a day there, you know, and then go to sleep there. And then I spend a day here. Like, is it, does it work like that? And the memories are cut off or, you know, how does it all work? I don't know. But why else would I feel such a strong affinity for Los Angeles? Really strong, you know? I don't know. It's weird. Hey, but why just two lives? How many other lives am I leading? Why, why would all of them have to be Frank Edward Nora? Maybe I'm le- leading other people's lives at the same time, too. I know, this argument can very quickly scale. Well, you're, you're leading everyone's life. No, I don't want to be everyone. I only want to be certain people. <laughs> I know, we're all just aspects of the mind of God, yada, yada. Whatever. Whatevs. Come on. Uh, but I don't have to worry about it because I don't know if that's true. That's all just speculation. I think I've seen enough uh, science fiction about various timelines. I probably am just uh, overthinking the whole thing. Just have a, I just have a vivid imagination, as they say. Vivid. Are the people with, like, unvivid imaginations? Like, they try to imagine something and it just sort of... They can't, I, I can't really place it. I have a very unvivid imagination. I don't know. I feel bad for people with unvivid imaginations. So anyway, I decided to go see Babylon, but I wasn't really quite sure. I'm like, because there's like an 11.30, a 12.30, and there's a 2 o'clock one, and I'm like, I'm going to go to the first one. I'm going to go to 11.30. But I'm like, I'm so tired. I, I need to take a nap. So I'm like, movie, nap. Movie, nap. I'm like, eh, maybe I'll lay down on the bed for a little while, see what happens. I fell asleep. 
Then I woke up, and I, I didn't really feel refreshed. I must have not have been a very deep sleep. But I did sleep a little bit, and I'm like, all right, I still have time to go to the two, and it's still a matinee, so it's cheaper. Plus, when I was looking at tickets for the 1130, there's only one other person that was going to it, but there's one seat, right, in the theater that I like the best. It's like the one, like there's the seats right up against the screen. Those are no good. And then there's the row with like the handicapped seats, whatever. And then that first row of the regular seating, the 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 seat all the way to the, 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 the if, if you're looking towards the screen, the one all the way to the right on that first row, that's the seat I like. And someone else had taken that one seat. I'm like, where the hell? Am I? And that was the entire rest of the theater. But I'm like, I don't even, I don't even know what seat I'm going to get. That's the seat I wanted. You know, <laughs> it, it makes no sense. There's a million, like the whole thing plays. You know, there's every other seat was available, but that's the seat I wanted. So I'm like, listen, I got to get going. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get to two o'clock. And again, they said it's a half hour walk. It's like a twenty minute walk. It's not even a half hour walk on Google Maps. But anyway, um. So I'm like, all right, let me go on there. There was literally no seats were taken, the 2 o'clock show. So the seat I wanted, even though it was a different theater, the seat I wanted was available, obviously, because there was no one else. No one else bought tickets. I'm like, oh, well, maybe some other people will buy tickets late. So I bought my ticket. You know, you have to, you you just, you you just, they send you an email and there's a a barcode on your phone. That's how you go in now, you know. So uh, I walked over there, you know, walked through the park. It was a nice walk. I was, like, rushing, but I had plenty of time. It was not even a problem. And then the best part is when you cross the street there, it's kind of a busy road from the park over to the, the Clifton Commons. But since they've, they have they have this stalled project to replace the bridge, the bridge is out, so there's no traffic. So you can just walk, walk across there without any problem with traffic. It's great. So I got to the theater, and uh, amazingly, as soon as I walked in, there's this whole family of people all confused <laughs> in front of me the guy showing his like, well these are my children and but my the other people in my family are coming and there's going to be another group but i bought all the tickets at once and <laughs> i'm just standing there i'm not I'm, I'm just whatever i'm waiting the guy's like well yeah well i already scanned your phone so you guys come in and then when the other people come in i guess like i guess the guy was going to just have to know there's like six more people coming that already paid for their ticket whatever it's the middle of the day on, on like a wednesday there's not a lot of people there so finally I got in and, uh, you know, I got my popcorn and my water. And I just had – and I also had popcorn last night at uh, – for fish, I after my two beers and my potato chips, and I had popcorn and water. Popcorn and water is a great meal, actually. I like it. It's a good deal – a good meal for me. Went into the, th- <coughs> the theater, and then – there was no one else in the theater. I was the only person there in that in that far right seat on that first la- first row there. There no one else in. And this actually was relevant to the t- subject matter of the movie in some ways. Because the movie which actually was very good. A uh, very good movie. Uh, the critics are insane. This movie is a great movie. The only thing I c- they were saying that this is more of an art house movie and they're trying to push it as a mainstream movie because it stars Brad Pitt and Margot Robbie big bankable stars but this is a great movie it's a kind of this is and it, it completely deserves being over three hours long i love this movie this is a great movie babylon and i just love that i hadn't even heard of it before that day you know apparently people have been waiting years and years and years for this movie apparently been in in the works for like 15 years i forget the guy's name that made it but he also made like la la land i saw that once i didn't think that was very good uh, but anyway uh, and I was the only person in the whole theater. 
And the movie, it, and it, it d- deals with that time in Hollywood where the silent pictures turned to t- uh, talkies, you know, with m- movies with sound, and it ruined the careers of a lot of the, f- the previous uh, movie stars. And I think that pretty clearly it's it's also kind of riffing on the current state of cinema where people are um, just just watching stuff at home on streaming. It's a very confusing era. Should a movie come out on a streaming service or should it come out in the theater at the same time or should you wait a few weeks and then put it on the streaming service? So it's kind of weird. It's kind of like it's it's sort of addressing the changes in the world of cinema, right? The fact that I was there, you know, completely on my own. And then at the very beginning of the movie, I'll not tell you about all the trailers. I wrote them all down. It, this, this was like it was like a nightmare of trailers. They have 20 minutes of trailers before the movie. It feels like a lot longer, though. Um, right as before the movie starts, you see Margot Robbie and the other main guy, not Brad Pitt, the other guy. I forget his name. He's not like a big star. The, Margot Robbie's like, hello, thank you for coming to see Babylon in the movie theater. We really appreciate you seeing our movie in the movie theater. <laughs> it's like a little a set, little thing tacked on there. It's kind of interesting. And But no one else was in the theater. I will say that about... 10 or 15 minutes into the movie, some dude walked in and he sat down on the same row as me, but on the other side. And he was there for a while. Then I looked over and he was gone. He must have just, I don't know who he was. He must have been just some, maybe someone that worked there or just someone that would just sort of drifted in. <laughs> maybe he just saw a movie and figured he'd go see another movie, but maybe he wasn't really digging Babylon. I don't know if this was based on, what's that? Someone mentioned in one of the reviews Hollywood Babylon by Kenneth Anger, right? Let me look this up Hollywood Babylon. Like, is this, is that why they, this must be why they called it that, right? Kenneth Anger. Yeah. I remember in film school, we had to watch Kenneth Anger films like, was it Scorpio Rising or something? Hollywood Babylon. Yeah. A book by Kenneth Anger. It's a book by avant-garde filmmaker Kenneth Anger, which details the purported scandals of famous Hollywood denizens from the 1900s and 1950s. The book was banned shortly after it was first published in the U.S. in 1965 and remained unavailable until reprinted 10 years later. So I wonder if that's if that's why they called it that. It must be. Hold on. Let me see if I can find a connection. All right. Well, here's an article. Is there a connection between Damien Chazelle? Oh, that's the guy who made it. Damien Chazelle. That name does not ring a bell to me. Damien Ch- Well, it should now. He, it was a great movie. Damien Chazelle's Babylon and Kenneth Anger's infamous Hollywood Babylon. Hmm. A town with absolutely no qualms about looking at itself, warts and all, Hollywood becomes one of the characters at the heart of director-writer Damien Chazelle's upcoming silent movies, segue to talkie saga Babylon, co-starring the notorious Southern California city as it once was, and an an interesting cast of players, ranging from box office rainmakers Brad Pitt to Margot Robbie to newcomer Mexican actor Diego Calva. Yeah, he was very good in it. And Chinese-American actress Lee June Lee. She was good, too. Uh, hold on, let me skip ahead and see if there's any connection. Chazelle says the movie is n- not derived from Hollywood Babylon. Okay. Uh, anyway, so there is no connection. Okay. Whatever. Okay. Just, just coincidence that they're both called Babylon. I, I understand Babylon is... What is Babylon? It's like... Uh, 
it's like an ancient city. And then also it's sort of a name for like the decadent world, right? Like the Rastafarian religion talks about the outside world as Babylon, right? And wasn't there like a Babylon in the Matrix movies? And by the way, there's a scene from the Matrix in this movie. <laughs> sort of spoilers, but yeah, at the very end of the mo- I don't know. This is spoilers. I probably shouldn't tell you, but there's like a whole – there's like a weird like psychedelic – uh, montage of the entire film industry at the very end, which is actually really cool, <laughs> including film like you see scenes from Tron and and Avatar and uh, and um, <laughs> and The Matrix. <laughs> anyway, this movie is so good. It's like it it is it is exactly the kind of movie that used to be. They used to be so commonly. It's an art film, and it there's a lot going on. It has that rambling feel. Um, I mean, it, it does feel a movie that was a few years ago, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, is a distant relative to this movie. But also there was that movie Silver Lake. Was that what it was called? Kind of like this character wandering around in Los Angeles, all this weird stuff happens, and they sort of venture, yeah, secret parties and cultish activities. And you kind of get that sense in this movie as well. Um, all It feels a bit, you know, uh, also a bit eyes wide shut, a, a little bit of that. Um but it feels like the great big art movies that there used to be. Uh, the movie's not perfect. I would I would say that it is. If you imagine the movie hit on all cylinders, it would have been a stone cold masterpiece. As it is, it's it's a bit flawed. I'd give it an A minus to B plus, and still a fantastic movie for these days. I mean, can you imagine in this day and age of all these freaking superhero movies? A real movie comes along and the peop- critics trash it? It's a- ridiculous. This is like a real movie. You know, I w- recently I walked over there to go see Black Adam, a superhero movie, which I said was good for what it was. It's a good superhero movie, but it we shouldn't have that many superhero movies. It's like it's just it's not good in terms of like being an actual movie. It's good as a superhero movie. You see what I'm saying? This was just a good movie. Overall, fantastic movie. I was like so shocked. Apparently, people have been aware of this movie for years and years and years. I know nothing about it. Um, anyway, so I'm sitting there by myself. Who was that other guy that came in? I don't know. It, but being in that empty movie theater, it felt like like when you go into a movie theater in when in VR or in some of these games, you go in, you're just in a movie theater by yourself. It felt like that. It was so weird. But anyway, when you walk in, they play like. Like 20 minutes before you before the showtime, they show all these commercials and stuff and little featurettes. Then they start with the uh, um, with the trailers, and then also they have a few of those like AMC AMC cinemas. And it used to be much grander, like the the identity pieces. Like when that that place was General Cinemas, and they they riffed on their original incredible. Right. Listen, I gotta play that for you. This is what they used to play before the movies at General Cinemas. I don't think this is it. Yes, yes. The animation of like the stylized uh, projector, general, of course, typeset in that Euro style or uh, Euro style bold extended. Right. So even that place opened in 99 and they still had general cinemas, but 
they were referencing that one, but it had this stupid Mr. Popcorn character who was going on a date with like Mrs. Pepsi. She's like a, a cup of Pepsi. Ugh. Anyway, but now they're all. It's just kind of bland. And there is one se- segment with uh, what's her name? Uh, what's what's her name? She was in Eyes Wide Shut. Uh, Nicole Kidman. Today's Nicole Kidman with just mass amounts of plastic surgery, which do you really think Nicole Kidman, a very attractive woman, if she just let it go and age naturally, I'm sure she'd look fine. As it is with that, doesn't, that plastic surgery does not fool the eye. It doesn't trompe l'oeil. It looks horrible. It looks unnatural. She's a beautiful woman. She shouldn't, it, 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 she, it's, just, it's hard to look at. And then there was another trailer with Jane Fonda, who has had more more surgery than anyone. It looks like she's eighty years old, and she it, it, bizarre looking. Anyway, these trailers were insane. But yeah, it's Nicole Kidman. Uh, the magic of the movies. It just doesn't. It just doesn't work when you go into an AMC movie theater. You, it's like stepping into a. Oh, shut up, Nicole. Please. Ugh. <laughs> and why doesn't plastic surgery work? These people have enough money to get the best. It just, it just, you can't, it, it's weird. It should work, right? It doesn't work. Something about the way we perceive faces is, um, it just, it does not work. The plastic surgery does not work. I mean, maybe there is plastic surgery that works that you don't notice, but I mean, a lot of it, like the face just looks like stretched and weird and unnatural. But it must be hard for a person to, like, you know, that's one of the central issue is being a human. You have no idea how you look or how you come across to other people. They could tell you, but, you know, if, if, if it's a bad impression, people don't want to they don't want to, like, be mean and tell you negative stuff. So, everyone is always wondering, what do I really look like? What kind of impression do I really make with people around me? It's, it's a mystery we all deal with. It's a mind game, you know? Because we have individuality here. and That's part of individuality. Not really knowing how other people see you. Ugh. But, yeah, anyway... Not not as strong. AMC doesn't really have a strong like opening sex segment. That's kind of cool. Like you know, like this one. I got to hear that again. Yes. See, I don't know if that's Eurostyle or Micrograma. Both fonts are very similar. Slight differences though. I can't tell you how many times I saw this going to, going to the, uh, the movies. Feature presentation. Anyway, so the trailer started, and this, again, it was like a nightmare. It really, it really felt like the first couple weren't that bad, but, like, it started off with one of these <sighs> Save the Children kind of ads, and then it's like Marlo Thomas, that girl. And and she's like, save the children. <laughs> I mean, she's like real old now, too. I don't think she got plastic surgery. She looks all right. She's just super old. <laughs> save the children, Malo Thomas. What was her thing? She was married to uh, Phil Donahue or something. Was that? Yeah. It was kind of shocking. I, I, I didn't even know she was still alive. Marlo Thomas. Didn't she die a few years ago? Hold on. Let me look this up. I can swear I remember. Maybe, she, maybe it was archival footage of her saving the children. Well, she she was the. Uh, oh no, she did have a ton of plastic surgery. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Now now that I see pictures of her, yeah, 
Horrible, horrible plastic surgery. See, <sighs> she's still alive. I, th I really thought, I thought she died. She's eighty-five, but anyway. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know why I thought she didn't have plastic surgery. <laughs> anyway, Marla Thomas saved the children. So then we get to the first one, a superhero movie called Quantumania. Ant-Man and the Wasp and all them. It looks like every other Marvel movie. I'm, I mean, maybe I'll catch it on Disney Plus one of these days, but it looks horrible like all the other Marvel movies. I don't like Marvel movies. I like Marvel comics because I was a fan from, you know, my youth, but it just, it just was whatever. It's, apparently it's the first movie of Phase 4 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Good for them. But uh, Kang the Conqueror is in there, who was also in uh, the same actor who was in uh, <coughs> WandaVision. They go to the quantum realm. Whatever. The next movie is called Chevalier. It's about this like black guy in ancient France or 18th, 17th century France who was a really good violin player, but they discriminated against him because he was black. Then, and that looked like a normal movie, but then it starts these like, Absolutely. Like, these movies do not seem like real movies. They seem like parody parody film trailers that, you know, you sometimes see. The first movie is a convicted convict being transported on a plane, but the plane crashes on a remote island in the Philippines controlled by Philippine rebels. And now the people in the plane have to fight the rebels to survive. Like, what the hell is this? The movie is called Plane. <laughs> what? The next one, I, I, I saw the poster for it, Cocaine Bear. This totally seems like a fake movie that someone just thought of. I saw, the, I saw a poster for Cocaine Bear. I'm like, okay, I guess this is a real movie. So it's a movie about, I guess, these drug dealers. They, 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 they're mass amounts of cocaine they drop from their airplane, and a bear starts eating and sniffing all the cocaine and starts killing everyone. <laughs> cocaine Bear. I mean, it looks, like, pretty well done. I mean, at this point, I think... They can do computer, a computer-animated bear, like so it looks completely like a real bear. Like computer graphics have advanced that much. So the cocaine bear, I think that's like you could not have made cocaine bear before. You know what I mean? That's got to be a huge. Imagine just a few years ago, that would have been like massively expensive to create a whole movie with this cocaine bear. Um, but yeah, it takes cocaine and kills everyone. I'm sure that'll be a real crowd pleaser. Um, and then this like horrible, horrible endless trailer for what turned out to be Magic Mike's Last Dance. I don't know how many Magic Mike movies there have been. It's, it's about this guy, Mike, who's like one of those male Chippendales dancers or something. <laughs> now he's in London. And they're playing Last Dance, Last Chance for Love. So they're playing Last Dance during the whole trailer. Magic Mike's Last Dance. And then we have... Uh, Ugh, a movie that looks absolutely horrible. It has stars. I mean, I could not stand Tom Hanks. I could not ever see. I could not watch another movie with Tom Hanks. The guy bugs me at a very deep level. I cannot take him. He's so annoying. There's a certain expression on his face where it looks like he's trying to uh, 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 shut up. I can't. I don't like Tom Hanks. It's a man called Otto. He's, he's like a grumpy old man, but eventually the people around him, he starts warming up to them. Ah, shut up, man called Otto. Jesus. Then um, 
the new Dungeons and Dragons movie, starring what's the guy Chris Pine? Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. That's sort of like a you know the same level as the superhero movies. It's kind of like why, sort of like wisecracking current day people, but in a fantasy setting. Whatever. I'm sure. I'm sure it'll be a real crowd pleaser with all the wisecracking and you know pe- pe- the, the the you know the uh, people just you know wisecracking to each other, telling jokes and being like modern people. But they're they're in the Dungeons and Dragons universe. That looks great. Then the movie. <laughs> The next movie was uh, they're on the subway in New York City, but you see people with those scream masks. I'm like, uh oh, it's just one of those scream movies. I saw the first one; it seemed like a hundred years ago. But this is Scream Six: Death on the Subways. It's <laughs> something like that. So the scream, the scream people are like killing everyone. They're wearing the scream costumes and killing everyone on the subways. Then we have eighty for Brady, four eighty-year-old women going to the Super Bowl. It's Jane Fonda. <laughs> I have to look this up. I forget who it was. Four 80-year-old women go to the Super Bowl. <laughs> Jesus. Yes, the, the four 80-year-old women are Jane Fonda, Rita Moreno, Sally Field, and Lily Tomlin. Hey, yeah, yeah. Also starring Tom Brady, the football player, Harry Hamlin, and a, a cast of thousands, you know. Oh God! It was just <coughs> as I said. That was, those twenty minutes seemed like. Uh, oh, that was the last one. That was the last one. Um. So finally, then the movie starts. Like Margot Robbie's like, "Thank you for coming to the theater to see the movie." I don't know if it's already on streaming. I don't know what the hell's going on. I think somehow people were pirating it like a month ago. But anyway. It's a great movie. So it, it follows basically um, the characters of Margot Robbie, somewhat based on Clara Bow. She's from New Jersey, and she's like a wild, a, a wild woman. And the, the the Mexican guy, he's sort of like a behind the scenes guy. And it starts off with this crazy Hollywood party, and um, kind of like the Fatty Arbuckle incident is sort of shown. And it it it, it does have some gross out stuff, like an elephant defecating on someone in the real beginning and then the fatty arbuckle thing he's getting like peed on by the whatever the hooker <laughs> I don't know and then she like dies or she's not dead And but anyway it's this crazy party and there's a featurette about the music the music in the whole thing is actually very cool it's like uh, using the musical forms of the 1920s but kind of pushing the limits and making them sound a bit more modern and um that party scene, I think, was just fantastic. And it's just, uh, you know, it just goes from there. She becomes a star. There's this filmmaking scene. Um, the movie has so many different, so much different. It's this huge, rambling movie. It feels sort of Pinchon-esque in a way. Um, of All this different stuff happening, all these different time. You know, it's, it, it goes from 20, 1926, 27, 28 to 30. The rise and fall of all these actors and stuff. And... Uh, let me look at the cast because it, it, there's a it's a great cast. So much stuff happens in the movie, and uh, and then it gets to this. There's a part with uh, Tobey Maguire as this weird gangster guy, and it takes them to this weird like underground like like horrible like weird 
sex performances and people in cages and weird deformed people in this underground thing. That and, and that felt a bit like again also like a pulp fiction. You feel a little bit of pulp fiction in there as well. Um, and as I said, I think the movie and Brad Pitt is, is is decent in it. He was also was he also in Once Time Upon a Hollywood? Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? I think he was. Um, he was okay, but he was. If anything, he he wasn't as strong as some of the other ones in there. He was good though. Um, so I feel like the movie super ambitious. It's like a real big meaty movie with a lot of stuff going on, and it pretty much gets ninety percent there. You know, so it's it gets most of the way towards being just a great movie. It's one of the best movies I've seen in a long time, honestly. Um, it's not perfect, but the the kind of rating this, this this is getting. Let me look on Rotten Tomatoes what it has right now because this is this movie should be getting around. I would say eighty eight percent, ninety two percent, in my opinion. Let me see what they have here. And so, someone even said, as I mentioned, that it's um, you know, it's not for those people that want to go see superhero movies. It's it's more of an art house film. And. Uh, 55% no. This movie deserves way more than 55%. This is ridiculous. The audience score is 50%? Oh, my God. <coughs> a tale of outsized ambition and outrageous excess. Babylon traces the rise and fall of multiple characters during an era of unbridled decadence and depravity in early Hollywood. Yeah, and it's considered a bomb now. It's a bomb. <laughs> This movie should not be a bomb. This is a great movie. I, I can't even imagine a movie like this would come out in 2022. Let's see. Gene Smart plays sort of the archetypical gossip columnist who you have to have a gossip columnist character. Uh, Lucas Haas plays a... Like he's, he, he was famous for being a younger star, but he's like an, like an old guy now. Kind of an old... He's kind of a loser guy, but he's a, he's a film producer. What was his big thing that he was in? Um... Because he was a child star, right? I'm trying to see what he was in. He was in something big when he was young. I'm trying to see. You know, Lucas Haas? What the hell was he in? Uh, I don't even know what the hell he was in. I I don't know. Anyway. It's kind of cool. Like, this child star is now, like, super old because we're in the future. Who else is in it? There's a... Let's see. Of uh, uh, people, people I uh, recognize: Toby Maguire, as I mentioned. Flea is in it as is kind of a, a rich guy, but again, Flea is like real old now, so it's kind of cool to see Flea. Because you know, I mean, I hate his band, Red Hot Chili Peppers, but he was also in uh, Back to the Future, so he was kind of a, an interesting presence. Jeff Garland from uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm is in it. Eric Roberts plays uh, the actress's father. Ethan Suppley, what was he in? He was in a few things. Uh, I don't even know what he was in, but he—I he, recognize him. He played one of the henchmen of uh, Tobey Maguire. Um, who else was in it? I'm sure. Olivia Wilde. I don't even remember who she was. Oh, Spike Jones is in it, <laughs> the filmmaker. I don't know what he played. Oh, Damien Chazelle was in it too. Oh no, he was just a director. Okay. What was Olivia Wilde in it? I don't even know. Anyway. Um, 
And apparently there was another movie called Babylon that was also released in 2022. A totally different movie. But anyway, it was a great film. Really, really enjoyed it. I'd like to see it again. And uh, it was a great, wonderful surprise that uh, it was, a you know, such a good movie that I didn't know about. And uh, so it was, a, it was a great experience. I was also thinking of doing something today, but I'm just too lazy today to do anything. I actually did the central. I recorded the central this morning. It's another music show. So I, being that it's almost the end of 2022, I did a whole uh, segment uh, playing. I played a bunch of songs from 1923, right? Because when the central airs next week, when it's released, it will be 19. It will be 2023, and all the music from 1920 from 1923 will be in the public domain. Right now, the music is still copyrighted, but in a few days, it will leave copyright and be in the public domain. So I, I was actually super excited about that. Check out my central segment uh, coming up next week. I was, I was playing all songs starting with the letter O, released in 1923. I'm, I'm using the George Blood Collection on uh, Internet Archive. Found some great songs. You know, I've been, I've been wanting to do a 1923 music project, but... I think I'm just going to do some stuff here and there. I don't think I can really focus on something like that. Though I did, th- I think it would be cool to have like a uh, some kind of a project to create a, 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 a like a show, like a podcast, or just it, it, like a channel or something. Just playing all that music that's now out of copyright, 1910s, 1920s music. Well, I mean, there's music from 1890s, 1900s, 1910s, 1920s now, early 1920s. Right, it'd be kind of cool. Like I, I, I was thinking of. I still have that uh, website subchannel.org that I've never done anything with. But I think, right? Let me go to subchannel.org. It's, it's a cool uh, website, right? Subchannel.org. I have a few domain names. I wonder if I could sell them to make money. <laughs> Not .com. I have .org. What? I type, hold on. Subchannel.org. Subchannel.org. Yeah, I just have a subchannel logo there. It's just, just it just says subchannel. There's no other information. I'm still paying for like the domain registration year year on year, but but like, what if subchannel was like a uh, like a public domain thing that only plays that music, and then you know, like like a hosting level in between. That's kind of cool idea, but. Yeah, I don't think I have. I don't think I have the time or energy. Hello, to uh, to have more projects like this. Anyway, that that was just a thought I had. So by the time I got out of the movie, it was uh, so it starts at two. The movie doesn't start till two twenty, and it's three hours long. So now it's five, around five thirty. So it's just already nighttime outside, and. Uh, so you know that feeling after you've been watching a movie, especially a three-hour movie, and then going back into the real world, there's this particular feeling. The real world feels a bit cinematic for a few minutes after you, right? feels a bit unreal. What would you call that, that feeling? There must be a name for it. But anyway, walking across the parking lot and back through the park, the only thing is the park was super dark. It was a dark park. I don't know if I ever tried to walk through that park when it's dark out, and, I, and I'm like, oh, maybe the first section is just not lit, but then I saw some lights in the distance, but no. The, the park is almost like pitch black. I'm like, should I be walking through this park? Right? Is this okay? 
<laughs> it felt a little a little weird, a little dangerous in a way. Uh, let me see. So I, I uh, actually used a uh, – I took a few pictures because this is really cool. And today's show art is one of those pictures. One moment. Yeah. Yeah, there it is. As you can see, this this picture is uh, – this picture has a lot of symbolic content, right? So I took this picture on the, my, my walk back. And uh, so what you see is – the walkway, sort of the paved walkway, and there's a tree there, and then there's a garbage can on the right, and then in the distance you see like this sort of yellow light in the distance, right? And today's episode is called Underground, so that's why you see the Overnightscape Underground, but that is the new Overnightscape Underground logo, which is is the same as the existing Overnightscape Underground logo, but I give it a bit of an arch, right? Um, and the idea is that I've been, uh, you know, working on the next edition of the book. The current book is called The Onsug. Onsug, of course, stands for Overnightscape Underground. And I have been playing around with the idea of going back to the full name, The Overnightscape Underground, for the next edition of the book. Because I feel that the full name, The Overnightscape Underground, is a bit more information-rich in the sense that most likely anyone that encounters this book or this concept in the future will have no idea what it is. And seeing the Onsug doesn't really convey too much information, just sort of this nonsense word, Onsug. But the Overnightscape Underground conveys more information. I know it's like six of one, half a dozen of the other, but anyway, this is the new logo that I, I've been using in my mock-ups of, of the new cover that I've been playing around with. Anyway, this... Uh, so one of the themes I've been thinking about a lot is that I have uh, you know, a sense that 2023 is going to be a year with some changes. This is just based on gut feelings and also just trends in the news. I think mostly um, the rise in AI in all forms, right, it seems that it's accelerating now. I've always been theorizing that, right, the AI thing is going to be the biggest change we've ever experienced in our society. Of course, the big moment we're looking forward to is the uh, AGI or artificial general intelligence, though that's not a very well-known term, or the singularity is the point where an AI system can learn how to learn, right? So I've always been talking about that. That's that that is going to be a huge point. Now I don't know that we're gonna. I don't think we're gonna hit the singularity in 2023. But I think that purpose-built AI systems, right, are are getting more and more sophisticated, such as the AI imagery stuff that I talked about recently, like Midjourney, right, and a stable diffusion. I never even used that one, but these are getting so advanced that it's actually threatening the livelihood of actual artists and illustrators out there. And it's going to start into the world of music and actually movies. There was an article saying you could make your own feature film soon using AI. As I talked about recently, you just describe a movie and it'll make an entire movie that you can watch, right? And this is not the singularity. This is pre-singularity AI, but, right, that is getting better and better. So I think that, right, just in that sense, that's something that's going to be happening in 23, 2023, 
Can I just call it 23? Um, but also I feel that um, it feels like some big changes are on the way in 23, you know. As I've said, a much more fringe theory is that the rise of AI is going to um, cause uh, some intervention from on high that is, right, the theory that there's intelligent beings watching over this world and that they don't, they haven't, inter- they are intervening but secretly, but AI may cause them to intervene on a larger scale. That is more of a fringe theory. Um, and also just other technologies, uh, new energy technologies are possible. Just heard recently about a fusion benchmark that um, not cold fusion, but actual fusion where you're trying to like current nuclear power plants are using fission, right? Not fusion. And that's still a, a pretty good s- source of energy. But fusion would be much better. You know, sort of reference in the Back to the Future movies as uh, Mr. Fusion, you know. Any piece of matter, like one of those fallen leaves over there, the amount of energy that leaf contains is massive. Probably heat a whole city for like a day. I don't know if it's quite that much, but you know what I'm saying. If you could get the power of converting matter to energy, right? Um, so uh, an, a fusion system recently achieved uh, the point where they're able to uh, get more energy out of it than they're putting in, if if even briefly. But, and I was talking to my neighbor about this, my neighbor Brad, but he would look into it a little bit closer that, um, you know, does it take into account the energy it took to build the building and to build the reactor and to set everything up, right? He said they acknowledged that it didn't. So, you know, you'll need a much higher level of, of efficiency to get there. But it's, And I don't know where they're at with uh, fusion, fusion reactors, right? But this is a huge thing. So imagine uh, they do, uh, you know, and I, I know it's not a 2023 thing, but to... Um, you know, perfect fusion reactors will alt- alter the, f- the the really the geopolitical scene because uh, energy because right so much of the way our world is structured is, is about energy and fossil fuels now, and uh, fusion will you know totally change things. I don't anticipate that being a twenty twenty three thing, but and then there could be other breakthroughs that are sort of it does sort of feel like we've gotten as far as we can go with this current. Um, narrative or this current phase that we're living in and it feels like a new phase is coming but anyway the whole point of today's episode being called the overnight escape underground is first of all just I personally have always have all of these ideas for all these different projects I want to do remember I was trying to do a thing with VR and my whole night station thing and all all this other stuff, I just feel very strongly and I'm just reaffirming basically to myself because this show art, actually, I look at this show art all the time, all the hundreds and hundreds of show arts, and that's sort of like the story of my my life the past couple years. So to me, I am just to myself basically reaffirming that the Overnightscape Underground is my project, my only project, and I'm going to keep working on it. I'm not going to pursue any of these other projects I feel that um, the Overnightscape Underground is the most important project for me, 
it's the stuff I do best, and uh, it is really the only thing I should be spending my spare time on as I do also have a full-time job. So this is, to me, sort of showing this image, right? I, I'm walking down this pathway, and now there's a garbage can to the right, a trash can, where I'm going to dump all of those old ideas, my old mental to-do lists, all of those suspended projects, just dump it in the trash can there. And if you can see down the ways there is that yellow light, which like yellow has really been the color of the Overnightscape Underground. Like that is, so moving forward, I am going to just focus on the Overnightscape Underground. So today's episode of the Overnightscape is called Underground. It's just for my own edification. Is that the right word? It's it's, it's for my own sake. It's for my own, it's a, it's a moment in time that I'll look back on. This show art represents that. I'm going to chuck all of the crap from the past and move fresh into 2023. Yes. It's usually the kind of thing that just stays in your mind, but I'm I'm talking about it now because it's, right, it's part of the show art. But anyway, that is the reason the show art, the show's called Underground, the Overnight Skip Underground, yada, yada. You get the, you get the impression. That's it. Anyway, on to other news. Um, <clears throat> the Fish subreddit, someone talked about uh, <coughs> 20 years ago, they, uh, 20 years ago today, they, uh, in Monday, December 30th, 2002, they bought a ticket to a, a New York Knicks basketball game. And then they, because they wanted to see the fish show coming the day afterwards, but they couldn't afford the fish show. So they, uh, they hid in this like weird, like industrial space overnight. And then they emerged when the fish show was going. So I think, I, let me see if I can find their, uh, the story here. Let's see. I, I have to scan ahead here on the uh, the thread to see what, what the story was. Where is it? This is by Reddit, Redditor Oblivious Foo. I have not been to MSG in a while, so I am not sure if this is still the case, but the whole upper section used to be general admission, with these double doors that led to a concession area that wrapped around the outside. In that concession area, my friend found a door that led to a stairwell. It was dark, but he had a flashlight and discovered that if you went up a flight, there was a very large landing with a railing that appeared to be a black pit but it was really only a five-foot drop to a 10-by-15-foot area with some ducting and a lot of dust. Our tickets for the Knicks game were in different locations, but we met up there at the fourth quarter ending, and no one saw us entering that stairwell. The stairs continued up another flight to a door that was locked with a light on underneath it. We heard a couple of people scamper up there, but no one ever got close enough to the railing to see over or even think there were people down there. A couple of us popped out to the st- to pee in the stairwell. Definitely not my proudest moment and sincerely sorry to the human that had to clean that up. We did not realize at the time, but when the sun came up there was a window that basically shined a spotlight down on us so if anyone had gotten close enough to that railing to look over, they would have seen five jackasses just sitting there. 
It was pretty cool when we got to hear the sound check, which was the first people hearing the band for a long time. I don't remember what it was anymore, and I had posted it to Fishnet, Fish.net set list, but they always had a credit with a question mark because there's literally only four other people that could verify the story. Eventually got taken down, and sadly, even though it was 100% accurate and is now they destroyed history. One of the funniest things to me was written on the wall, Anthony saw Rangers versus Islanders for free, 1978. The month was written, but and I remember thinking it was not even playoffs, but that was a big rivalry back then. We went back a few weeks later for another one show, and I think to tag our spot, because we didn't have a marker at the time, but the security guard caught us trying to get through the door in from the concession area. He just said we can't go in there, and we were like, okay. Note it was a hiatus return show and well out of our reach financially. So apparently the tickets were going for like thousands of dollars for this show. <laughs> so they snuck in there. I think there's more to the story, though. Let me see. <clears throat> Spent most of the time hungry, tired, miserable, and frightened. But then once we pulled it off, was hands down, without a doubt, the most stoked I'd ever been in my life to this day. Insane emotional 180. Had some Nature Valley granola bars, and we were too afraid to make noise opening or eating. A couple times, we smelled Tracy smoking a cig. God, we would have never let her hear the end of it if that's what got us busted. But around 7 p.m., after we had heard people screaming for a long enough time, we popped out of the stairwell into the concession area, and no one saw us come through that door. So we so we were as in as anyone. We were going to say our girlfriends had our stubs because we always lose them. If anyone hassled us, but no one ever did. I actually remember people telling the story in front of security guards. There were a handful of friends that knew what we were doing, but we were very paranoid about a bunch of wooks. Wooks. Blowing up our wooks, blowing up our spot, trying to do the same thing, but less calculated. Yeah, wook is a wooks are sort of a name for like a fish fan that's kind of disheveled. I know there's more to it than that, but a wook, people that look kind of like wookies, you know, long hair, very hairy, and young followers of fish. <laughs> that's an incredible story. They snuck in. It kind of reminds me of that story of those guys that that would go on the ride Horizons at Epcot Center and just jump off and explore the interior of the ride and hang out with the audio-animatronic puppets and stuff. See, stuff that, you know, you think about it, but I would never do that, but these people did it. It's amazing. And uh, oh, what, one thing that came up during set break, the first, the first song that they played was this. If you can find it here. Set break started, and they played this song. You know this song by Jorge Ben? Ponte de Lanza Africano, Umba Barauma. You know this song? Let me copy and paste that. I, don't, I have no idea how to spell that. Umba Barauma. I can't get it. Oh, sorry. Hold on a second. But that that was the uh, first song on this uh, 
album of Brazilian music put out by uh, David Byrne in 1989, David Byrne from the Talking Heads, called uh, Brazil Classics One, Beleza Tropical. And uh, this was the first song on the album, and this album is the greatest album ever, right? I have never heard any Brazilian music as good as the songs on this album. It is just a perfect album, absolutely incredible, because I think David Byrne had been like learning about and listening to a lot of Brazilian music. And it, it haunted me that I couldn't find any more music that was this good from Brazil. I had a lot of Brazilian music disappointments after this. So anyway... My animation teacher at NYU Film School, John Canemaker, knew that I was doing an internship at MTV. And he had seen this incredible animated video. I'm watching it right now. Right? He had seen this animated video and he's like, you know, there was no internet back then. He's like, hey, is it possible? Could you like sneak in there and grab me a copy of this video? Because I I knew like the woman that was like the librarian for the music the actual music video library, all the music videos they showed on MTV. And I checked it out. She didn't know. I was an intern. I, I checked it out and made a dupe of it for the guy. I wasn't supposed to do it. So there I'm doing a little little sneaky thing, just like these other people. So I made a copy for Mr. John Kane Maker. And I think I, I brought it to his apartment to deliver the videotape to him of this video. And he, his whole apartment was covered with these animation cells. He was doing, um, he he was doing the animated opening for uh, "What's Up, Doctor Ruth." I wonder if I can find that. He was an animator as well, John Canemaker. What's up, Doctor Ruth? That's a pretty cool story, right? Cool story, bro. What's up, Doctor Ruth? Let's see if we can find that animation. Uh, I don't know. What's up, Dr. Ruth? I don't know. This just I mean, there's a billion things. But this was a TV series from 89 to 90, which is the right time period. I can't find it, but anyway. What about John Canemaker? Whatever happened to him? One of his ancestors made canes. His name was John Canemaker. He wrote a lot of books and stuff. John Canemaker. Let's see. There he is, yeah. Oh, his his real name is John Canizzaro Jr. He named his name John Canemaker. Looks like he may still be alive. I, I think so, yeah. Let's see. In 2006, he received an award for outstanding contribution to animation studies at the World Festival of Animated Film, AnimaFest Zagreb. Yeah, not much information post-2006 on this guy. I had one of his books. Which one was it? It was uh, Windsor, oh, maybe Windsor McKay, His Life and Art. He also wrote a whole treatise on uh, the animated Raggedy Ann and Andy. <laughs> that doesn't seem quite as important in uh, the scheme of animation history. Windsor McKay on one hand and Raggedy Ann and Andy, really? Yeah, there was a whole movie with Raggedy Ann and Andy, right? Yeah, he he's a scholar. He was scholarly discussing, uh, yeah, Raggedy Ann and Andy, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I've been uh, watching a new anime series, apparently one of the more popular ones from the recent anime season in Japan, called Bachi the Rock. And this is an uh, an anime series about a high school girl rock band, 
not to be confused with K-On, another anime about a high school girl rock band that I really loved. I loved K-On. This one is a bit different. Bachi the Rock is about this girl who's has incredible like social anxiety, and she winds up joining a rock band. And uh, this has been really good so far. Also, as I mentioned, <coughs> I don't know if it's still going, but um, that one. Uh, <coughs> anyway, yeah. It, uh, hold on. Isekai Oji-san, right? This is the other anime I've been watching, uh, Uncle from Another World. And this show, I, I mentioned it briefly. It's about this guy who got into a uh, – he was hit by a truck in ni- the year 2000 and was in a coma till 2017. But the whole time he was in a coma, he was living in a fantasy world. But also he's a huge Sega fan and uh, always talks about uh, Sega video games like Dynamite Heady and Guardian Heroes, like the Sega Saturn, Genesis, and stuff like that. And I'm also a huge Sega fan over the years, so it was really cool. But then one moment in the show where the, there's this elf girl who's like a friend of his in the, in the fantasy world, and, and she's like, please teach me a song from your world to sing. And she sings this song, and I, I knew it, but I couldn't place it. It's like, da, 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 na, 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 song, da, right? And after, he's, after he hears her sing that song, um, He's like smiling, like he's so happy because he had an elf girl sing a song that actually is from Sonic the Hedgehog, but also apparently was reused in, I think, Nights into Dreams. I never really played that game, Nights. It was on the Saturn. I didn't have a Saturn, but it was the Starlight Zone in uh, in Sonic the Hedgehog 1, right? Uh, let me see if I can find it here. Starlight Zone. Right, it was a song that I knew so well, but I couldn't quite place it. And then he had an elf sing it in another world. <laughs> Here's a song, you know. I mean, from the original Sonic. All the songs on this, I mean, amazing. This one. Oh, God. There were some great comments on the, uh, on the video. I don't know if you can find it. Someone said, this sounds like, like the credits to my young life. The credit sequence to my young life. Or the end credits to your childhood. I don't know why I can't get the, the comments on the phone. I don't know if music gets much better than this. This is the best. Well, look, they suggested this video, French Disco. Find all your favorite items on Instacart. Shut up. I want to hear Stereo Lab. You, you know, they give you suggested videos. I saw a couple of weeks ago at the Whiskey A Go Go Club in Los Angeles. This is Stereo Lab, French Disco. They probably suggested this video to me because I probably watched it about 100 times. One of my favorite videos of, on, the entire, on the entire internet. They're on the word. I think they played it when I went to see them, right? I'm not, I think so. Maybe. I can't remember. Remember I was recording inside the place I saw uh, Sarah Lai. That was really cool. Anyway, that's one of my favorite videos on, on the internet. Stereo Lab on, on the word. 
What is this crap? I tried the viral apron trick to make my body look better. People are desperate to visit the coffee shop I work at. What's this cl- clickbait garbage? What the hell's going on in the world? Someone's wearing a special apron? What the hell is this crap? So uh, one one uh, event from the holiday weekend that I didn't get to last time was uh, at my in-law's house. You know, my wife's brother's family. They had this puzzle on on their the table in their little living room area, a wooden puzzle, like a, one of those hand cut wooden puzzles, and it was all these. It was called Buffalo Skittles from a company called uh, Liberty Puzzles, and I found it online. This it's really cool. Like the shapes are hand cut wood of all these. Like there's shapes of like there's like buffaloes and Indians and all sorts of different like like cool shapes there. And uh, why is this website? Why did this website crash? But it's very long, you know, sort of like very, very wide, but not very tall. And it's a scene with all these multicolored buffaloes. And I'm assuming Skittles, like the candy Skittles, Buffalo Skittles. Is that does that make sense? It doesn't really make sense, but yeah. Anyway, it's a puzzle with 312 pieces, and. I, I, I was sitting across the room watching them working on this puzzle. Then I eventually got involved. I spent like an hour to an hour and a half with uh, two other people like working on this puzzle. And finally we got it done. It was such a great feeling. Um, the only thing is this, this and it's by artist Brad Gorman, whoever that is. Uh, Liberty, puzzle, <coughs> Liberty Puzzles out of Boulder, Colorado. Uh, this puzzle is $95. Yes. Super, super high-end puzzles. Oh, yeah, they show all the shapes here. Let me see if I can see, see the shapes. Can we zoom in on this image? Yeah, like there's like an eagle, buffaloes, all sorts of things. Like a wheel, a horseshoe. Yeah, I remember all these pieces <laughs> the puzzle. It's a great puzzle if you can afford it. Buffalo Skittles. Oh, who is this Brad Gorman person? Is it like a buffalo artist or... Brad Gorman. Now oh, there's a bunch of Brad Gormans out there. <laughs> Brad Gorman artist. It's one of those names. At least my name, Frank Nora. There's only a couple Frank Noras out there. It's not that many. Brad Gorman. All right, I can't find it. Whatever. All right, whatever. Whatever. So yeah, check out that puzzle. There was no actually it's interesting because on that website there was a Los Angeles puzzle that I thought looked really cool with this whole Los Angeles theme. Let's even find that one. This website's pretty funked up. It's like Okay, Los Angeles, let's see. I figured this was the puzzle I would buy if I was gonna buy a puzzle from them. No. <laughs> what the hell? I know I Urgh, so annoying. I know I saw it, but I can't search for it. Maybe it's called Hollywood. No. Anyway, there was a good, there was a big one that had was all about Los Angeles. Let me try again to search for it. Okay, so this one is called L.A. by Night, and it has 588 pieces and is 125 dollars. But that looks really cool. A lot of Los Angeles-related pieces, like a Ferris wheel, the Griffith Observatory, Man's Chinese Theater. The pieces are shaped like this, you know? Different people, all sorts of stuff. 
yeah, it's not necessary. I'm not really into puzzles, jigsaw puzzles. So if there's one in front of me, I'll start working on it. But it's not like I ever feel like I want to do a jigsaw puzzle. You know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. Anyway, talking about Los Angeles, uh, I've been continuing to watch this show. It's like, you know, a sitcom from 1999 that I was watching at the time. I loved this show when I watched it when it was first on. It's about these uh, fr- the, a group of friends in Los Angeles. And uh, one of the member, one of the fr- of the five main characters is is the actress Jennifer Grey playing herself. She's the one that was this big star that had this nose job that became unrecognizable. Talking about plastic surgery, um, she changed her face to the point that people couldn't recognize her anymore. It's one of the most bizarre stories in in Hollywood history, <laughs> and there's many of them. But they joke all about it in this show that it, that that she uh, she was a big celebrity. And people couldn't recognize her anymore. So she sort of, they said she even at one point was going to change her name and start over as, a, as, an, as an actress to, to, you know, to reestablish her celebrity. But uh, the show is so good. It's so well written. And it's just, it's sort of all about the eccentricities of Los Angeles and all this and how it relates to New York. And um, I was watching it. Someone uploaded the whole series to YouTube. And I was watching it, and, I, and I'm like, oh, no, I got to the last episode. And then it brought me back to the <laughs> episode zero that was unaired. Um, I had seen episode one, but episode zero is the stuff that happened just before episode one, but they never aired it for some reason. That was really good. And I'm like, crap, I, it's done. I, 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 I saw the whole series. Great series. I wish, I, I, wish I, I wish there was more. But then I realized... I was watching it, you know, and, w- and it was automatically going to the next episode. But at some point, it, like, skipped, like, eight or nine episodes. So now I have eight or nine more episodes to watch of It's Like You Know. But um, there's a couple scenes I really remembered, like uh, one scene where they go to the valley. They always talk about the, the, the valley as this, like, horrible place. Uh, and uh, one of the characters, like, I guess Allison says to Arthur, is her name Allison? Um Okay, we're almost there. Turn down the radio. He's like, why? Well, that's what you do. When you get nearer to where you're going, you turn down the radio. And I also do that. When you get nearer to where you're going, you turn down the radio because you need to think more than when you're driving there. And then I, I'm going to try to find this one, the scene where a Shrug opens a detective agency to solve people, like little life mysteries. And l- let me bring you this one because this always stood out to me. Uh, let me find it. Oh, yeah, and another thing I noticed is in every single episode, some, some character says, it's like, you know, something, something. So they, they use that phrase in every episode. I really felt this should have become a big show, but apparently it was, it was when, as, as I mentioned last time, when uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire was getting big on TV and a lot of reality shows were getting big, and it just sort of slipped through the cracks. It's like, why can't I find it now? It's, it's, this is ridiculous. I've been watching it and it's like gone. Or maybe it's S O one E O four. How how they how they describe that? You know, season one, episode four, whatever. S O one E O four. But it's hard. This show's hard to find. It's not on any streaming. It's just someone uploaded the series. Yeah, here it is. Okay. Yeah, I have an idea for a movie about the first all black space mission. Do the right stuff. I like it. Hey, hey, look at this. 
I wonder if those two are still together. Let's go to the. This it's at the very end of this episode. Hey. Hi. No, 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 no! It was my neck. I pulled my neck. Don't uh. move. I'm gonna go get my table. Oh. I'm afraid your zone has been compromised, my friend. Oh. Feeling better? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. It's at the very, very end. Shouldn't smoke, dollface. It's bad for you. It's a film noir parody. So I'm in, but I still go through a pack a day. My time's valuable. What do you want? You've got to help me. I'm desperate. What happens to birds when they die? I never see any dead birds. I get a hundred bucks a day plus expenses. That ought to cover it. I'll give you the rest when you give me the bird's eye lowdown on dead birds. So that's a good question. Like, where are all the dead birds, right? <laughs> a lot of people have that question. No one can answer it. They never follow it up. Where, what happens to all the dead birds, you know? You see so many birds. Where where do they go when they die? That's a good one. So now I have a lot more It's Like You Know to watch as well. And Maureen McCormack plays herself on one of the episodes, you know, Marsha Brady. I didn't realize that, that that was in this show. Yeah, the show ran from, like, fall 99... The very last episode to air was like January 4th, 2000. And then these unaired episodes eventually leaked out. They were shown on like South American television or something. So everything is now available for It's Like You Know. What a great show that just completely lost to history now. And I know I like it all the more because it's so obscure. I'll I'll admit that. <laughs> if it was a really popular show, I probably wouldn't even give it another thought. Well, I can't believe I've been sitting out here for almost two hours now, and uh, it's warm enough. It's a little, it's getting a little chilly. I, I know this this warmth is not going to last, but uh, anyway, I think we're going to do a whiskey review here. Let's go check this out here. Yes. See, I don't need to go anywhere today. Today's a lazy day. Well, I'm doing a show, and I did the central, and I did the other side for this episode. And played a lot of video games. <laughs> uh, where is that whiskey? Ah, here we go. Yeah, this is from my in-laws. This is uh, Suntory World Whiskey. A-A-O-O. Ow! <laughs> a blend of five major whiskeys. Irish, Scotch, American, Canadian, and Japanese whiskeys. It's a beautiful bottle. Which I know sometimes the more beautiful the bottle, the less good the drink. But uh, I think in this case, it's going to be good. Suntory World Whiskey. I never had anything like this. this what is this? I never heard of this concept. The, 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 a whiskey from Ireland, Scotland, America, Canada, and Japan. And they spell whiskey without the E in the Scottish way. Well, they're Japanese. I suppose they have to just sort of choose what... English variant they're going to uh, use to uh, where's my whiskey glass oh here it is it's in the dishwasher okay I'm going to choose which way I guess I guess with I guess the Scottish way is the cooler way to uh, spell it but yeah this is like sort of one two yeah this is like a an irregular uh, pentagon it's like a square but with one slice sli sliced off really beautiful bottle so you kind of lay it down and it can sort of has a, a solid surface there. 
Right, let me open this up. We'll have some world whiskey. I don't know what the AO is all about. Ow. I know AI means love, right? I, I don't know what AO is. I didn't read any reviews or context of this, so just uh, an unbiased opinion here. I mean, to be honest, I'm not expecting it to be great, but we'll see. Ooh, twist off cat. Let's see. Nice. World of whiskey. Yes. Let's go back on the porch on this lazy day. I like lazy day. Wait, where? Oh, okay. I was trying to think where it was. Our uh, sideboard here is covered with all sorts of Christmas presents and stuff. For liquor, I usually smell it for a while before drinking it. I've been having a lot of really good whiskeys and mezcals lately, so I'm kind of a tough customer. But this one, fascinating, though. There's a fascinating stuff going on in here. It's a bit vegetal. Is that the right word? It smells like vegetables. Some, I mean, definitely peaty. A sweetness to it. Like I, I recently, one of the best whiskeys I had recently was the Whistle Pig Rye. This stuff is amazing. Um, hmm. All right, let's try a little bit here. I would say it's not as intense as as I like I like my whiskeys to be intense. I mean, the Islas are my favorites, you know, Lafroig is my favorite <laughs> and Lagavulin of course. So I noticed some some of the blended ones feel a bit less intense and less flavorful. It's very interesting, though, the blend. But it feels a bit, a bit low volume, in my opinion. I want something that's going to be a, a bit more, in, like, I just keep using the word intense, but uh, bold, vibrant flavors, funky flavors. This one feels almost a little bit too polite as a whiskey, you know? What time is it anywhere? Well, come on, it's 5 o'clock somewhere. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. All right, it's 4 o'clock. It's 5 o'clock in uh, the Atlantic Ocean. Anyway. How does that song go? Let me see if we can find the lyrics to that song. Jimmy Buffett. Well, it's not his song, but he's on the song. What would Jimmy Buffett do? There it is. 
The sun is hot, and that old clock is moving slow, and so am I. Workday passes like molasses in the winter time, but it's July. Getting paid by the hour and older by the minute, my boss just pushed me over the limit. I could call him something, think I'll just call it a day. <laughs> yeah, this kind of revived Jimmy Buffett's career. Poor, what's the guy's name? Alan Jackson. It's the only song by him I know. Poor Miss Something Tall and Strong, make it a hurricane before I go insane. It's only half past twelve, but I don't care. It's five o'clock somewhere. Where's the part with Jimmy Buffett? I guess Jimmy Buffett is a famous drinker. I like Jimmy Buffett. I mean, I went through my Jimmy Buffett phase and. There's a few of his full concerts on the streaming services. I think the one in Las Vegas is the one I like the best. Uh, I could pay off my tab, pour myself in a cab, and be back to work before two. At a moment like this, I can't help but wonder, what would Jimmy Buffett do? <coughs> yes. What? What? So did he decide to stay at the bar and keep drinking, or did he go back to work? Because he said there's going to be hell to pay if he doesn't go back to work. I think he stayed. I think Jimmy Buffett said, nah, just keep drinking, dude. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yes. There's, an- there's another song I've been thinking about a lot lately. You know Alanis Morissette? She had that huge album, Jagged Little Pill, with a ton of hits on it. Then that next album... Because I know that that was sort of her second album, but she did have an album before, but it was more like teeny bop music. The the next album, which was um, Supposed Former Infatuation Junkie, the first song in the album, Front Row, I really think it's her best song, and it really is a great song, and it kind of got lost in the shuffle. And the rest of the stuff on that album, eh, I don't know. After that album, she kind of fell off the face of the earth, in my opinion. She didn't really have a lot of stuff that was great. But this song, Front Row, really stands out as a super special song. Mm. Finish up my whiskey. I mean, it's not bad, but it's not, it's not necessarily the right whiskey for me. <coughs> but um, this is a song, so it goes like this. I know his blood, but you can still turn him away. You don't owe him anything. I would love to sing this song at karaoke. This is the one song I want to sing at karaoke. Well, there's a lot of songs I want to sing at karaoke, but... Do you go to the dungeon to find out how to make peace with your days in the dungeon? It's also a hard song to sing, the cadence of it, right? Writing a letter to you didn't make me feel any more peaceful than how I felt when we weren't speaking. Because I didn't cop to what I did. I can't love you because we're supposed to have professional boundaries. I'd like you to be schooled and in awe, as though you were kissed by God full on the lips. That's actually an interesting lyric because she actually played God in the movie Dogma by Kevin Smith. She she was uh, she was God. I don't know if this is before or after that movie. She must have like a God complex at this point. She's like, I'm Alanis Morissette. What happened to my career? Well, it must be that I'm God. So that's why, like, I, I, it changed the way the world perceived me. I don't know.
I'm in the front row, the front row with popcorn. I get to see you, see you close up. This is one of the candidate songs to go on the playlist for my wife's party, by the way. Didn't make it. Didn't make it. I, I, it's, not, it's not really a crowd-pleasing song, but, you know. Slid into the ditch. I have this overwhelming loss of ambition. We said, let's, we said let's name 30 good reasons why we shouldn't be together. <laughs> I started by saying things like, you smoke, you live in New Jersey. I love that line. <laughs> you live in New Jersey. What, does she live in Canada? You started saying things like, you belong to the world, all of which could have been easily refuted. But the conversation was hypothetical. I am totally short of breath for you. Why can't you shut your stuff off? Yeah, it just goes on and on from there. But I like the part. So is this some guy she knew that was from New Jersey that smokes and she's like in love with him? But whatever. And he's like, oh, I can't date you. You belong to the world. You're such a big celebrity. Anyway, that's a good song. Let's hear just a smidgen of Alana singing. I I found a good version of Alana singing it in Brazil. Uh, let's see if I can find that version. Live in Brazil. Why, why is it I find these videos and then like I cannot find them afterwards? <laughs> Live in Brazil. No? I, I was just watching this video. It has to be in my, my YouTube history or something. Oh my god. Where is why is the why is the the app version so much different than the regular version? Oh my god, I can't. Where is the history? It's in library, right? No, no. Let me pause and find my hit. Oh my god, this is ridiculous. All right, here it is. Yes. But why can't I find the description of it? Brazil, 1998. Does anyone else agree with me? This is like a great song. But like it's, it's hard to sing, right? Because it's like it's the cadence is so weird. There's a young Alanis in '98. Kind of interesting. She's like in a small venue on TV. All these Brazilians around her. This is one of those songs that, like, as decades pass, you can really tell which songs are really good because they stick with you over the decades, you know? New Jersey, yeah.
I think she I think she spent her songwriting karma or, or her songwriting mojo with this song and it was all downhill after that unfortunately I get to see you see you closer anyway you get the idea kind of obsessed with that song lately what is this news what what am i even looking at here is this videos what am i looking at here nick cannon welcomes baby number 12 he looks very 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 depressed nick cannon was he like a tv host what did he host one of those shows america's got talent or something (coughs) here's another is this are these videos hershey sued in u.s over metal and dark chocolate claim they're putting metal in, in in dark chocolate the hell's up with that any 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 other good video? What what are these? Aren't videos I would watch? I don't even know what I'm looking at here. <coughs> I don't know. This is not no. This is this is like I don't, what app is this? Oh, this is Google. Okay. <coughs> the hell. Oh, I, I'm getting a Tom Brady story just because I just just because I talked about that uh, 80 for Brady. I'm not interested in Tom Brady. I asked ChatGPT to write my cover letters. Two hiring managers said they would have given me an interview. Oh, yeah, there's this new AI called ChatGPT. See, this is there's all this chatter about AI going on more and more and more, okay? That's why I'm saying I think we're it's heading towards something. Something's going to happen. AI. Plumber tells TikTok the best tip for unclogging drains and pipes. Do it. What is it? toxic mediocrity jeez anyways with that I'd like to say thank you for patching in to this episode of The Overnightscape I'm your host Frank Edward Nora here in Nutley, New Jersey on December 30th 2022 this will be the last show of 2022 the new year is coming up fast 2023 will be here before we know it and we're here in The Overnightscape Underground a radio station inside a book yeah, see, I think I'm going to change the name from the Onsuck to the Overnight Escape Underground. It means the same thing anyway. What do you want? It means the same thing anyway. Just go to Onsug.com for all your Onsug needs. Onsug and Overnight Escape Underground mean the same thing. O-N-S-U-G. Overnight Escape Underground. Onsug. At Onsug.com, you can hear all our latest shows. You can uh, check out the book. You can buy a copy of the book. It's print-on-demand. The 2021 edition and uh, coming up this summer will be, that's my my goal, the next edition of the book will be out, the print edition. Making a print edition of the book is a massive project. And by making a lot, of, a lot of progress, I have the new listening token concept, these little icons. Uh, I talked about that in recent episodes. And uh, yeah, so go to, so you can buy the book. It's priced as low as possible because we have a non-commercial project here. The Overnightscape Underground is non-commercial as opposed to non-profit. It's non-commercial. It's not a business. It's, there's no money changing hands. We do this because we love it. This is essentially like uh, <clears throat> meant to be a massive uh, project to be listened to by people in the near and far future. By near future, I mean in a few hours or in 2,000 years. Near and far future, people listening. It's like a message in a bottle. It is a, 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 a 
It is a massive work, over 13,000 hours as of now, a year and a half of solid audio. Great stuff. We have a unique style, as you can tell, and um, there's nothing else like it. Yes, we're very obscure at this point. We're not mainstream, but I view it, this book, a radio station in a book. Is it a book? Is it an audio book? Is it a radio station inside a book? It's everything and more, okay? Imagine you're writing the great American novel. In the, the part where you're writing it, no one else is seeing it. You're writing it, and eventually, when people get it, they really dig it, right? That's the idea. So we're creating this work, this massive audio work inside a book that is designed to be preserved on into the future as its core mission. You see what I'm saying? I hope you see what I'm saying. Would you like your voice to be in this, uh, this great archive? Would you like someone in a 2,000 years to hear what you have to say? Well, there's an easy way to do it. It's known as Overnight Escape Central. Every week, a new topic is put forth by P.Q. Ribber out there in Truth or Consequences, New Mexico, a little town I visited earlier this year. What an amazing trip. You can make contact with P.Q. yourself. You can email him at kpqr.torc at gmail.com. And you can get that email on the show as well. Listen to the latest edition of Overnight Escape Central to get the next topic. He usually writes the next topic in the show notes. Um. And so, so the current one is uh, another music show. So anything about music, you can play music as long as you, you know, it's Creative Commons or whatever, or your music, or you can talk about music. You can participate. Please do. We'd love to hear from you. And wherever and whenever you are listening to this, because, hey, I don't know. Who's listening to this? I'm putting this stuff out there. Yes, at the moment, it's so kind of, it's not popular. It's it's not listened to by that many people, maybe a few hundred people. Well, it used to be a few thousand. Now it's a few hundred or it's a few tens. I don't know. The total listening audience. But if you project forward into the future, that number could go back from tens to hundreds to thousands to tens, hundreds of thousands, millions, billions, trillions. It's a big future. It's a big future. And our intention is to be listened to because... This time period we're living in, the early 21st century, is unique, it's special, it's post-analog and pre-AI, and it is a magical time. And don't you want to hear what people have to say in this time period? I'm sure you do, and that's what we're, that's what we're all about. Thanks for listening. Please help out, help to preserve the archive, help to spread the word about the Overnight Escape Underground. Um, in your time, in your place. Um, <laughs> no, I was just thinking about something. I don't know if I, if I want to talk about it right now. but No, I was thinking, I, I don't know if I'm going to do this, but I was thinking about that. Remember, we used to have these tracks called UG, like an, a lowercase UG colon, which was the metal level of the Overnight Escape Underground. I'm sort of thinking of bringing that back. I don't know. The last time I did that was probably like 2008, 2009. I don't know if I'm going to do it. I'm just, I'm just thinking out loud at this point. Anyways, thanks so much for patching in. And now it's time to shift over. You are in the front row. The front row with popcorn. I live in New Jersey, and you are about to live for about 40 minutes here in the other side.
was Undulator featuring Kim Rogers with a track called Am I Only Dreaming? Darren Johnson's Drive Time. Mash the mobile, lob the laptop, don't get caught in the city slick. See the world with Rough Guides. From Amsterdam to Zimbabwe, with a Rough Guide in your hand, you're guaranteed a smooth trip. Rough Guides, travel guides for the modern independent traveller. There's a bullet in the gun. There's a fire in your heart. Planet Perfecto, bullet in the gun. Available now. Log on, chill out and surf the net with Excite, sponsors of the underground weather. This is Jane Travis here with your hourly weather update. We're enjoying a nice sort of sunshine here in the capital today. The top temperature is going to be 22 degrees with medium air quality. This warm spell is likely to continue early into next week. I'll have more updates later. Experience the premier sports restaurant and entertainment venue. The Sports Cafe with state-of-the-art audio-visual, 120 TV screens, games, bars and a great restaurant. The Sports Cafe where the games never end. www.thesportscafe.com Just got time for a few shouts now, starting with Jason and all the boys at Super Autos in Hackney, Trisha, Sam and Lisa in Tottenham and all of the Ealing Posse. OK, now I've got a bit of drum and bass for you. This was voted number four on Top Tunes last week. It's New Dawn's Heartland. Sister, how to trim the sails? Hallelujah! Sister, how to trim the sails? Micronauts revised NAB version. This is the world of the Micronauts. McCroyer, the enemy, and the Micronaut Space Warriors. All sold separately. Space Glider, Galactic Warrior, Time Traveler. Made to fit the Micronaut vehicles, like the Photon Sled. You can stage make-believe battles against a Croyer. Like all Micronauts, a Croyer has interchangeable parts, so you can create your own toys. Micronauts, made of plastic and die-cast metal, each sold separately by Mego. 
unassuming star of the Consumer Electronics Show. It's more than just a smiley face with glasses. Bob is actually Bill's latest contribution to friendly user interfaces and software integration. Today, we'll get to meet Bob and all the other new computer inventions here at the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas on the special edition of the Computer Chronicles. Computer manuals, they're history. Nobody wants to read them. They never make sense. All I want to do when I buy my software is take it home and use it. Well, enter Bob, newest program from Microsoft Home. It's based on the old KISS principle. Keep it simple, stupid. You have a conversation, essentially, with this guy. So, with Java Dragon or Rover Dog. Start the program, up comes Rover, and Rover says, what do you want to do? And you say, I want to open the calendar, and away we go. And Rover says, what do you want to do on the calendar? You want to add an event? You want to move an event? You want to see by a different date? So it's just natural. It's like dealing with a person. And that's what we're expert at. We're not expert at dealing with computers. Bob is almost childlike. It applies a preschool-level game interface to serious tasks like keeping track of your finances or organizing your email. Well, for consumer users like us who already use PCs, we will never use it. But for the brand new user who's never had a PC, I don't think it's baby-like. I think it does represent the next generation of interfaces, the social interface. And it does have ramifications of bringing more and more people into it. Bob has no manual, no menus, no help screens, no text commands. You manage your tasks simply by clicking on icons and moving around different rooms in Bob's house. While it may seem all too simple, Microsoft's chairman Bill Gates says despite the advent of Windows, computer software is still too hard to use. But still, there's something really lacking uh, that won't let us get into the, the broad market. And so we've been putting a lot of, of money into talking to experts, sitting down with users, really trying to discover where uh, is the, the solution to this incredible problem. We're trying to solve a really major problem out there. There are tons of people who want to use a computer and say, hey, this is a magic box that can really help me in my life. Let's get my hectic life under control, do things for me. But either I'm a little afraid of it, intimidated, or even more importantly, I just don't have the time to learn it all. It's too complicated. I don't want to take classes. I just got to get on with life. With Bob, what we're trying to do is make sure those people can turn on the computer and get going. Bob comes with several built-in applications like a letter writer, calendar, address book, email, personal finance manager, and games, but the real power of Bob may be as a platform for new applications. The real strategy behind this product is to, again, get as many PCs sold into the homes or new users as possible. So they make this, what they call social interface, very easy to use to take away the intimidation factor. But realistically what it does is it gets Microsoft's products into more homes, more PCs into more homes, and ultimately what it does is it allows them to sell more products uh, to these consumers over time. In fact, Microsoft is already offering the first add-in for Bob, a print shop type package called Great Greetings. But Bob is apparently only the first step in Microsoft's effort to make computers easier to use. According to Bill Gates, the next step is the software you can talk to. You'll be able to talk to the machine, and it will use uh, voice recognition or so-called natural language processing to be able to understand what you do. Uh, it will be able to, as it talks to you, you'll see its lips move and, and all the different emotional responses that it will have will be incredibly rich uh, in the future. I've got a song from the big chair. Would you like to hear something from that? 
sure. Would you like to hear everybody wants to roll well? Sure. The home computer was clearly the dark. Uh, uh. Championship, go get him. The professional arm wrestling championship, go get him. <laughs> and the world's strongest men competition will go get him. A lot of grunting and groaning for the last time. That's the final event. First down for Los Angeles. John Cappelletti gets to the outside. He has some good blocking, but Lavender makes a good play on the opposite side. Number 20. They don't keep stats on blocks. I know the offensive Rams do, but I'll tell you something. Number 30 did it again. McCutcheon got Capaletti out there. Also on the Sports Spectacular, I understand that Commissioner Larry O'Brien will be in the studio on the Sports Spectacular to discuss his suspension of Kermit Washington. All that.
immediately following the game here on CBS. Seven three. I'm sorry. This Ram offense got 386 yards against Atlanta last week. It's back to Capabetti. Nothing doing. Flag went down. Gerard Williams came up and turned it in. Harold McClinton made the tackle. Brad Dusek is upset about something. They're going to call. I think either that or they're going to call Harold Jackson for a crackback. Remember now, you can't hit below the waist, and Harold Jackson's only five nine. He's trying to get down there. Be darn! That looked like a pretty good block. I thought he did a. I'll bet you they thought that's a good block. It's a pretty good job of using his judgment to keep from hitting in the back, keep from clipping. It looked like Williams might have turned on him a little bit and sort of forced the action. They walk it off against Los Angeles. Number 29, the offense clipping. Rams have one first down in the second period. Got a tough order this time, too. Second and 17. Pat Hayden. Protection's good. Hayden for Jackson. Williams with him. Good coverage again by Gerard Williams, number 45. Oh, man. Harold Jackson thought there was going to be a flag. And I'm not so sure this time Gerard Williams didn't break in the bank. Let's watch it. This is a great throw. And I'll tell you, Hayden has really improved the velocity of his passes. This ball is thrown beautifully. I thought Gerard made a little contact before the ball got down. Hayden, the number one passer in the NFC, has not completed one today. Harold Jackson with the long jump back to the huddle complete now. Rams one first down and no complete passes yet. Third and 17. Hayden throws for Capaletti incomplete. Brad Dusek on the coverage and Hayden really took a shot from somebody. Dave Butts and Darren Talbot took Hayden down again and the young man from West Covina, California is down. The league's leading passer without a completion. I don't know how he got the ball off. He really stayed in there and pulled the trigger. Watch to the right of your screen now. You're going to see two windmills coming in. There's Butts. Butts to the left. And watch Talbot. The shot from Talbot that hurt him. The ball was just released. It looked legal enough. It just looked lethal. Hayden is being assisted to the far side of the field. It'll be fourth and 17, and Glenn Walker in for the Rams. There's the guy who'd have to take his place, of course. He didn't take the jacket off yet. Didn't warm the arm yet. Wonder if he has pads on under there. He's got something in his mouth. <laughs> Big red. <laughs> Vince Ferragamo is the guy who is warming up for Los Angeles if Hayden doesn't come back. It won't be Namath. It'll be the Nebraska rookie. Oh, good kick by Glenn Walker. Eddie Brown signals fair catch. Cullen Bryant was down looking at him. Wisely, he put up the right hand. A 47-yard kick by Walker. Eddie Brown heading over for the sideline. Every week, Eddie Brown does so well. 
that he gets some kind of an award. The Redskins have a little ceremony. That's coming up at halftime. The NFL today, the scores and highlights with our friend Miss George. Herb Cross, my old cornerback buddy. And Brent Musburger. to Harmon, and Harmon comes close to a first down on a fine effort. Simpson made the tackle, the flag is down. I think the Redskins will get the benefit of the doubt this time. I believe Reynolds came across the left linebacker about half a count early, and part of the line came with him. Watch the left center of your screen. Young Bud Offside, refused. He refused the penalty because of a good effort by Harmon. 192 pounds playing fullback in this league. He does a pretty good job. And he's young. He's from Mississippi State. Played in the WFL. Was the outstanding runner really for the Redskins in the preseason. Pressed into service when John Riggins went down. And he's done a good job. Sit up, sit underground. Sit up, sit underground. Come for me, come for me. This is the candle sound.
this litter? Or is this more what you'd call litter? Or this? Or maybe this? This is litter? Yes, this is litter. But litter is too nice a word for trash. Litter is a slap in America's face, and your face. Let's stop throwing trash all over the place. Come on, people, pitch in. This message for the people of the United States, from the people of the United States Brewers Association and Associated Industries. the ultimate underground animal. Easy. Here it comes, baby. Are you ready for it? Your name is Bubblegum. Live for moon and sun. Young and so much fun. Life's just be Life is just Kim Fowley. Kim Fowley is a fourth dimensional force. Kim Fowley is outrageous on Imperial Records. Outrageous! Kim transportation system for the Micronauts. These are rocket tubes. The electric air power terminal lets you blast up, down, forward, and back again. But that's not all. You can build a space elevator or any other layout you can dream up. Even run it in the dark. Rocket tubes from the world of the Micronauts. Assembly required by Mego.
Other worlds lie outside our seeing, beyond the beyond, at the edge of within. The Great Pyramid, erected by the Ancient Ones as a barricade at the portal between two dimensions, two separate realities. This is the story of one family drawn through a mysterious vortex into the other world and of their perilous trek homeward. Investigative reporters for a TV news magazine, always causing headaches for their producer. The American Girls. Television never looks so good. Turn us on, and we'll turn you on. This fall on CBS. Oh, oh, oh. 
Unreleased, deleted, and exclusive 12-inch mixes by Sonic Experience, Undercover Movement, Fantasy UFO, Sound Clash, Noise Engineer, Tigers in Space, and many others. 12 hardcore tracks for the true ravers, available as a double LP for a limited time only. Strictly Underground, the compilation.